0: I think always good opportunity to continue the onboarding experience It's sort of my world for quite a bit at LinkedIn. Our new Hire onboarding Bring program would last two, three months where we would kind of list out pre-work and then to put them through an immersive live uh, experience. Um, obviously, when the world turned upside down, we did that all virtually. But uh, following the training, we then put them through some post-training uh, certification program and they're off on their way. Um, But finding better, you know, finding ways to uh, still accommodate those groups, um, maybe across the first year is is definitely ideal. And uh, we had something that was um, in place that was more casual. It was optional, but encouraged. It fell into that category. And uh, and was still helpful.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Garrett Raffles. Garrett is the Senior Director of Center of Excellence at GymPass. Before that, he worked in a variety of sales roles for LinkedIn before becoming a global sales onboarding leader in their Center of Excellence. Now, it's always fun to talk with someone who has successfully worked in a sales role before transitioning into an enablement leadership position. And in our conversation today, Garrett and I talk about the keys to effective sales enablement in today's sales environment. Garrett breaks those keys down to three primary areas, mindset, skill set, and tool set. We dig into how you train for mindset and values. We get into how enablement factors the experiences buyers have with your sellers into their enablement plans. We dive into enablement for frontline managers. And we dig into why sellers might be interested in looking at sales enablement as a career option and how to go about that. So we get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Garrett, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And I want to remind you also to check out my latest book, Sell Without Selling Out. It is a modern, human-oriented framework for increasing your win rates and shortening decision cycles without using the salesy behaviors that your buyers hate. It's available everywhere you shop for books, online, and in stores. All right, let's jump into it.
2: All right, Garrett, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, Pleasure to have you. Um, so, tell folks a little bit about you and what you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my name is Gary Raffles. I work uh, currently at Gym Pass as a senior director for their Center of Excellence division. Been here for about three, four months now. Really focused on all things sales training and um, really getting deep into things like sales process, sales methodology, and at a deeper level, sales culture. Um, but prior to joining GymPass, uh, was at LinkedIn for nearly eight years, actually over eight years mm-hmm. um, uh, as a sales rep and on their sales readiness division, handling things like new hire onboarding training and um, sales methodology training as well.
2: So this, tell me about the center of excellence, because I see, I see a few more companies now sort of using that term around enablement. Um, so, and I think you sort of, wasn't at LinkedIn, weren't you also sort of center of excellence?
0: Correct. Yeah. So at LinkedIn, I was part yeah. of the, the Center of Excellence team. Um, but that kind of acted as a catch-all for a lot of our different training programs. So our okay. you know, uh, new hire onboarding, manager training, high potentials training, um, sales development academy. And so at Gym Pass we're looking to sort of move in the, a similar direction where mm-hmm. we're you know, first kicking off with sort of a university of sales, if you will, um, trying to just lay the groundwork for what sales training means, and uh, you know, adding some body to it, defining it, and then kind of going from there, um, building it all out.
2: Well, okay, well, that triggers the question. So, what what does sales training mean these days? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, sales
2: training, um... because it's a, it's a big, all-encompassing term. But on one hand, yeah, you know, I you know read reports and so on, saying, well, you know a lot of people sometimes sort of skeptical about sales strength because not sure they see the ROI for it um, other hands you know some companies are sort of obligatory about how they do it I mean others are really committed to it I mean what yeah what is it these days?
0: Well I think it's definitely evolved for sure um, you know the ways the, the ways in which you and I were introduced um, from your colleague obviously Amy who had joined um one of my sessions uh, where I spoke at the Sales and Development Conference in New York a couple of months mm-hmm. back and I talked about how to make sales training suck less. <laughs> and um <laughs> that was the that was the the title of the presentation in which I talked about how, you know, obviously training is I think that for a lot of reps, uh not fun. So the idea was to just think about how to make it um you know less painful for reps. And ideally Fun. So, um, you know, I think sales training is something that's uh, been gone back to the drawing board from a lot of different leaders in the space. And mm-hmm. uh, at its core, it's about equipping our sales reps with the right knowledge, skills, mindset, skill set, tool set to feel like they could drive the most productive conversations with their customers. I think it's evolved from just being a sort of reactive initiative to being much more proactive. And I think the most agile companies. Think about it in that way, where they try to put a pin down on what exactly could be most beneficial for their sales reps. Maybe it's discovery. Maybe it's um, revamping the sales process as a whole. Maybe it's um, leadership development. Either way, um, I think that the way that it's it's grown, um, it's become there's there's never been a. I think there's a a pretty bright spotlight now on on looking at ways to to rethink the world of sales training today.
2: Yeah, which I think is, is necessary because I, I think it's it's not really been about the content. It's always been about how it's presented in my mind, right? Is, is, sure, some is, you said, how to make it suck less. I mean, oftentimes, again, it's not that the content's not useful. It's just how it's presented or, uh, yeah, lack of reinforcement or, you know, various sort of shortcomings that exist because it seems like, yeah, I don't want to throw shade on sales trainers because I think they... They have oftentimes a lot of good things to say, but it's sort of how we go about it that's been the issue.
0: Yeah. um, Again, I think there's lots of opportunity there to to really think about how we can better engage with our sales teams. You know, salespeople have it hard. Uh, I think that to be a sales rep, um, it's a mixed bag of being able to do a lot of heads down work and research and also to talk to strangers. And (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a lot of work where you're doing non, you know, non-variable comp work and then also doing it for the sake of high variable comp. And uh, it takes a certain kind of person to be successful in sales. And it's our job on the sales enablement side to make sure that whatever training we decide to commit to, it actually lands with the field. Um, And it truly helps reps be better at what they do and to focus on what they're getting paid to do, which is to, Sell, engage with customers, and any bottlenecks that could be in their way, preventing them from doing that, should be things that we should try to take away or mm-hmm. um, just just polish up. You know.
2: Well, so you were in sales for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. What was the motivation for you to say, okay, I want to jump into enablement?
0: Yeah, I think it was a it was a bit of a journey for me. I had been selling um, for about. Seven years uh, before I started to consider going the sales of the sales and implement route, and uh, I think that what what really did it for me was I think I was generally pretty good at sales. I think I was a natural mm-hmm. in my personality, but um, I think that it was one of those things where just because it's a strength doesn't mean it strengthens you. Right? Um, hmm. Didn't That's feel cat like cat. I wanted to continue going down that route. When you're in sales, pretty much the two directions you could go in are to continue to follow the individual contributor level of you know, levels of enterprise, large enterprise, etc. Right. And then there's also sales leadership, but sales enablement was was really interesting to me because I felt like it was a world that was um, hasn't hasn't really been explored as uh, as much. I think it's mm-hmm. fairly new, um, and there's just so much you can do with it and um I think that the the challenge of going into these uh unchartered territories was really interesting to me. um I loved helping out my reps i loved uh, or or uh, you know my peers i loved um and really enjoyed mentorship and, and, and coaching and thinking through better ways to make the teams better rather than just myself um and yeah, I think that's a yeah i I, I think that played a big role
2: were you ever sort of nervous that? Oh God, there's no going back. (laughs) Like, you know, if it didn't work out, I mean, I've earlier in my career, I was managing some teams at some startups. We were selling really technical products and I sort of made a habit of recruiting people from engineering to come over into sales. And, uh, yeah, once they sort of got over the, once they learned what selling was really about and not, you know, it wasn't about, you know heavy handed persuasion of people to do something they didn't want to do, but about solving problems and helping customers the next sort of last big concern was,
0: yeah, can I go back though <laughs> really that's how they felt
2: yeah, it's like it's like going to the dark side, right do i if I do this, am maybe I'll still go back, you know, which almost none of them did by the way, but uh, once they sort of got into it, but you're ever concerned about that is yeah, you know, maybe sort of lose your chops?
0: Personally, I I never felt that. Um, yeah. Never felt wanting to go back. I really enjoyed being a sales rep. I was very fortunate to be fairly successful and to close some uh, memorable deals. But when I got into the sales enablement side, it just clicked immediately. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I loved doing research. I loved building things. I loved thinking through how... Our decisions on this side of the fence could have, you know, org-wide implications across the, you know, our, our sales division. I love thinking about that and creating or working on projects or creating programs that um, everyone could find valuable. You know, I, I, I'd i often see from, um, you know, other projects being worked on in sales enablement that, you know, I'd, I'd say to myself, this could be better or they're not considering the realities of what we do as reps or... Maybe that there were a lot of folks who didn't have that real-world sales experience so that they couldn't really empathize with what we do. And I had that. And I think being on this side and being able to lean on that kind of experience just really adds a whole lot to any program or project I commit to. And I love having that. Um, It's it's, it's really fun to talk about. It's really fun to think through. And uh, Mm -hmm. pretty much my job is to research, think, and teach all day long. Um, and to also try to understand what decisions we can make that are going to be, going to be most beneficial for the business as a whole. All of that, you know, gets you sort of in that entrepreneurial mindset. It gets you thinking about mm-hmm. how to be, um, you know, this 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 all star cross functional partner. Um, right. You know, think about psychological safety. Think about company culture. You think about retention, turnover, burnout, all these things that help an organization really keep that glue together uh in sales enablement sales enablement we play a big role with that um, and in and at gen pass uh, i like to think i i do there as well so to me it's just really really fun
2: yeah i uh, several questions i want to unpack out of that um, well first one is is in your mind is having experience carrying a bag quote-unquote carrying a bag is that Necessary for somebody to go into enablement? Well, was, uh, in part, I've, the question's been with me for a couple of years because I remember the last time I went to, I don't know, sales enablement society conference. Uh, I think it was right before the pandemic, the fall before the pandemic, shut things down, and going into a number of uh, breakout sessions and thinking, "Wow, there's a lot of people here that, uh, yeah, are getting into enablement that didn't have that background." And so I was thinking, well, okay, well, who's enabling the enablers?
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good question. It depends on what you love to do and also what really strengthens you, right? Um, if you're – there's different facets of citizen enablement, right? You can go into the role enablement route where you're providing sales support, um, researching things on ideal customer profiles, buyer acumen, mm-hmm. competition. That's more Per you know, program management oriented, and do right. you need sales experience for that? No, you just need to really enjoy researching and um, collaborating with folks internally. Like all that, right, is 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 uh, mm-hmm. it's just fine. Um, if you're passionate about coaching and teaching, if you're passionate about training and really getting into the classroom and thinking about, hey, how can we best support our new hires with training, or uh, develop an everboarding program where we train. Current tenured reps on new sales skills, yeah, it's really helpful to have that experience. So it depends on where you want to fall. You know, um, what what really gets you going, right? There's another pocket of sales enablement around systems and tools. Do you need sales experience? Of course not. Um, you just really need to be, you know, en- en- enjoying that field of work. And I think that that is just fine. Um, but yeah. does it help carrying a bag? Absolutely. I think it does nothing but benefit you. Um, because then you're able to better empathize with your sales reps, better have em- right. better empathy for the customer, have better empathy for the leaders and your internal stakeholders. Right now, you understand the weight of your decisions and what your commitments mean when you have when you've Absolutely. had that experience before. You know.
2: Yeah, I love the expression you just used. Everboarding. I have to admit, that's the first time I've heard that. That's good. I like that. <laughs> there you go. You can take it. It's all yours. Yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> I love it. I think it's it's a great, great description of. of because yeah, there's so much focus. You, you know, people talk about onboarding and you know, bringing people to speed, but it's I think it's just as important as, as you talked about or referenced with that with that expression is, what are we doing for the people who've been in it for a while? How are we keeping them fresh and up to date? And sometimes I feel like that gets overlooked a lot of times.
0: Yeah, certainly. There is, I think always good opportunity to continue the onboarding experience was sort of my world for quite a bit at LinkedIn. Our new hiring program would last two, three months where we would kind of list out pre-work and then put them through an immersive live uh, experience. Um, Obviously, when the world turned upside down, we did that all virtually. But uh, following the training, we then put them through some Post training uh, certification program, and they're off on their way. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding better, you know, finding ways to uh, still accommodate those groups, um, maybe across the first year, is, is definitely ideal. And uh, we had something that was um, in place that was more casual; it was optional but encouraged. It fell into that category, mm-hmm. and uh, it was still helpful. But um, yeah. Well, I
2: wanted to ask you about something because I I read something about this fascinating program that. Um I think it was a Chicago school district, uh, high school or elementary, most of high school, I guess, is, uh, and I think it's Chicago, the main district in Chicago, just Chicago Unified, um, where the way they supported at-risk students, you know, academically at-risk students through the first year of high school, uh, they had this pres- program called Freshmen on Track, and the whole thing was geared to ensure that, that those in this program achieved some level of success, right? Where they were, uh, you know, got the gratification and the experience of succeeding and motivated to, to keep on going and to do more perhaps the subsequent year. And it was, it was as I was reading about that, I thought, wow, oh, this would be a great model for sales, right? For first year sellers to say, look. You know, I think one of the issues I see repeatedly is that many organizations aren't intentional about ensuring that people experience some level of success because I think confidence is bred from, from success. Sure. And so success when it builds on success is that this would be a great model for like the first year of sellers. right? You're enrolled in this program where you've got this team of people there just to ensure in a very tangible way with, with, with different milestones, just, oh, they've reached full productivity in six weeks, right, is you know, some very, maybe smaller targets, smaller things you can do, more bite size, but you get this feeling of having accomplished something and gaining this, this confidence that I find that, you know, many sellers that come in early that, that churn out never experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a great, great idea to kind of approach, um, you know, training in general, not just onboarding, but training, um, you know, really giving folks an opportunity to understand what gets them going, what gets them motivated. Um, I think that too, what it reminds me of is an exercise that really kind of, um, made an impact on me was Mm -hmm. from conscious business with Fred Kaufman, um, in a program, uh, uh, with that title. And he talked about in his trainings about the coat of arms and exercise where he would, Uh, ask people in the class to draw a line down the middle and say, Hey, I want you to create your own personal coat of arms on one end. I want you to list out all the things that um, make you feel like your best self. And on the right side, Mm -hmm. I want you to write, I am my worst self when, and to just kind of, you know, jot down things that really stand out for themselves Mm -hmm. to know that make them say mm-hmm. okay this is when I I feel like I, I am my best when I'm motivated um, when I uh, when I go to bed at night and feel like it, it was really a good day and these are the things I, I act like or um, what I do when I don't feel as proud of myself or when I feel as if I, I could have done a better job and then that kind of gives them some, some sort of better handle on their identity and then from there it acts as this this uh, this glue for their motivators as they continue to sort of find success. Um, kind of guides them, if you will, uh, moving forward.
2: No, I love that, that coat of arms idea. Um, Yeah, I like that. I mean, I I just I don't know, I I see the data. We all see the data, the falling percentage of reps hitting quota, yada, yada, yada. In general, if you look at all the sort of disparate data points about sales performance, it sort of paints kind of a Grim picture on one hand, but I wondered, you know, as I think about that, it's like, well, part of it is are we just, are we measuring success in just sort of too macro level, and maybe we need to, like I said, break it down into smaller, smaller components, uh, you know, sort of change how we, how we assign quotas or assign goals, mm-hmm. and maybe even change the frequency with which we, yeah, we measure, so that, because I think we. Wow, we've got such a tremendous turnover problem in sales in general not this would necessarily address all of it but I think a lot of people are just lacking the confidence that they can do the job mm-hmm. and it seems like we could do a better job of sort of inculcating that basic degree of confidence in them by the way I mean I you know it's not so true with what you're doing at gym pass but I mean some SaaS companies it's like they yeah, we expect people to have full productivity in six weeks well what does that mean Right? And that, is that even realistic and why should that even be realistic? What happened to sales being an apprenticeship, <laughs> which it fundamentally was and I think probably still is to some degree, um, where it gave people a little more time in a structured way to, to learn their trade?
0: I think that would be really helpful. I think that, that that that's a great approach because sales is sort of a craft, right? Um, yeah. You know, it deserves uh you know I think every sales rep should have a mentor slash coach um both separate people acting as that if you will um I think that it should it's, it's something that should be uh practiced often even beyond the sales calls right they should be thinking mm-hmm. about their approach and um kind of sharpening their uh, 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 their, their tool set um outside of the conversations and so yeah i think an apprenticeship is, is definitely ideal but it also makes sense that organizations don't really invest in things like that because there's just not enough time when an organ decides to commit to a rep they think okay this person needs to hit the ground running as fast as possible and sell immediately so i can get my money's worth right um
2: i know but isn't that the issue is they should be the, i know we're talking more globally here but isn't that really fundamental one of the issues is that is that organizations, not just startups, but even larger organizations sort of lost the sense that yeah, we're making a little bit longer term investment in this individual as opposed to, hey, we've got this short period of time, make it or break it. Because I I I think about about one example I like using is, I'm a huge soccer fan and people listen to this show regularly know that is, yeah, it's not unusual. See players adapt to a professional environment at different speeds. You see it in all professional sports, right? Maybe a high draft choice that's not really doing so well the first two years and then suddenly, boom, in the third year, everything starts making sense to them.
0: Mm.
2: And and it's no different in sales, right? We assume everybody's going to adapt and learn at the same rate fundamentally because, to your point, is you know, hey, we've got to get our payback, but we stop sort of acknowledging that yeah, these are individuals that are going to learn at different rates, and so why can't we accommodate that? And again, not talk, not, not, the question's not pointing to you as an individual. I'm just speaking more more globally here. It seems like we should be able to, and it sounds like we, feels like we, I was just looking at something that, today somebody had sent me a spreadsheet, sort of the cost of attrition, cost of unwanted attrition, and among and sales teams. And it's like, yeah, we could address some of this if we were just
0: perhaps more patient yeah no I think it's a really good call out there's definitely opportunity to find better ways to make sure that our sales reps feel fully and wholeheartedly confident in what they're doing um, I think that you know oftentimes their uh, you know um, organizations will just bring on board sales reps put them through whatever onboarding program they have and then just expect them to just get into the field and start selling 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 and yeah you can miss so many opportunities with that right And again, like I was mentioning before is I get it, right? Like an organization wants to prioritize revenue driving initiatives, like getting their sales reps to sell as much fast as possible. But you're absolutely right. There's opportunity to um, make sure that they are getting into the field with the best – knowledge possible with the best techniques possible and um are also given time to kind of sharpen those skills so that they do feel like they're they're showing up in the right ways not just from a product knowledge standpoint but from market market landscape standpoint but from a um you know uh being being a genuine human seller standpoint from um you know uh uh, 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 you know sharing sharing their experience whatnot so yeah there's there's definitely opportunity there um and yeah, I think that organizations that are invested in sales enablement divisions like center of excellence. Um, they, they are, yeah. you know, that's, that's a, a way in which we can accommodate sales reps in in in, a, in that kind of way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was, I was um, thinking back to a <clears throat> report that bravado put out about 21, 2021 sales result, you know, sales performance. And, um, remember the statistics like only one in four sales teams, so 25% of sales teams, only one in four sales teams had, um, gosh, had all their sellers over 75% of quota or something like that. And it was just like, yeah, it just was like, okay, we keep seeing these statistics. We just, we need to try something different. And this, this idea that what we're doing is proven and, works is belied by the fact that we still have so few reps hitting quota predictably and reliably um so why don't we rethink it <laughs> it seems like to be less expensive in the long run try something new so um yeah that's me on my soapbox about that
0: yeah it's tough i mean j- just to add my two cents than that right because like what you're saying is sure. i think a really innovative way of going about sales training but innovation You know, intrinsically is about, um, you know, uh, having a bit of creative freedom to think through better ways of doing something. And in that kind of thinking is also admitting that we could be doing things better. Right. So there's Mm -hmm. the innovation. Innovation is if you're asking your company to be more innovative, what you're asking your people to do is to have more failure, is to commit to more trial and error, to think creatively. And to try things out, right? That's innovation, yeah. um, and that sort of like goes back to like it, it, you can almost you can almost say that that's the uh, you know that that kind of way of thinking could be directly correlated with the ways in which we want our sales reps to be doing their discovery, for instance, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just for just for one example, uh, you know, we want them to have more of a growth mindset than a fixed mindset, and mm-hmm. when we go through discovery, we want to approach every conversation with genuine curiosity. But um, that's what the most innovative companies do. They're curious. um, They try things out. They approach things not just with curiosity, but also humility, knowing that they want to have the answers. Right. But in doing that, they say, we're not going to believe our own BS. We want to try that and think like scientists here. And that's what we want to do with our customers, think internally. And that's that sort of uh, the ways and how to have that growth mindset. But the reality is that or not say reality but for for many organizations they'll have more that fixed mindset you know they'll they'll approach with overconfidence i already have the answers i have this organization i'm already successful why should i care right like i yep. uh, i'll ask questions that only simply validate my beliefs um oh, yes. i'll approach every conversation with a bit of pride because i have the experience necessary to be able to direct um this customer or direct my people in whatever way i believe is right and in that we lose a lot of opportunity um so yeah, I think that's the, when you say innovation, right, for any organization listening to this episode and saying, I want to be more innovative, what you're saying is that you want your people or you want your organization to, you're asking them to be more creative and in that, by virtue of that, asking them to to try new things. Uh, and, and, to, and risk to, failure. again, risk failure, exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so here's one that's not really an enablement, but tangential to enablement, I think, but is It was a discussion with some people last week about mental health and sales. Um, and I was like, okay, well, how many sellers, we know the statistics, but how many lost days there are for sales, and there's been a couple studies on Crushed, uh, Sales Health Alliance and others have, have looked at this, Sales Psych in the UK did as well, is um how many sellers do you need to have where you could justify having a mental health professional on staff to help the sellers, Hmm. right? Where they've got this performance-based profession. We know in professional sports, almost every professional sports team has a a, on staff psychologist, sports psychologist, or, you know, access to the equivalent full-time resource, we know that it would make sellers many sellers help improve their performance, help them deal with some of the stresses that are eating away at their performance or some of the other, you know, uh, well, it's, you know anxiety, depression, and so on. Why it seems like this is almost like a no brainer, right? And yet it's, it's, you know, considered hugely controversial when you bring it up with groups. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, we could never afford that. It's like, oh, All right, you can afford to bring on two or three sellers who aren't coming even close to hitting their numbers. Why can't you bring on a resource that would give you a higher chance of the people that are on the team performing at higher levels?
0: I like the idea. I'm pausing because I'm thinking about having a sort of sales enablement guidance counselor, if you will, (laughs) right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think enablement's a, a perfect place for it to fit. Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I think I think I think there's something to, to take away from that, right? Um, you know, this could be a sales enablement kind of bucket. Um, it could fall into the bucket of wellness and your therapy programs if you offer it. And um, I mean, like all in all, what is true, whatever the approach is, is that sales reps get burned out fairly quickly, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: it makes a whole lot of sense why because we're chasing a carrot every single quarter for some organizations every single month it'd be really tough yeah. having to be measured by a number over and over again so what do we do about that right um, how do we how do we ensure that our reps are being as productive as possible and um, selling while still maintaining their, their mental health uh the approach could look different for any organization. I think every organization is going to have right. uh, their own identity or their own culture and beliefs. But it isn't, I think right. at, at a base level, just being self-aware as a company is the very first step um, to understand whether or not it becomes more of an investment in sales enablement, maybe in sales training, maybe in sales leadership, so that uh, you know managers have um, more of a handle on how to uh, be there for their people in ways that go beyond just being a boss, but being a leader, um, which actually
2: right. you mentioned in your book. Yeah, I do mention my book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Well, I think, I think this goes back to sort of the innovation thing again is, is for me, you know, so much of, of what happens in sales today is, is largely unchanged from the way it's been for decades, if not longer. You know, sort of the mindsets we have about how we manage our people and, and look at them as resources, and how we how we enable them. I mean, even though some companies I know are doing much better, but I mean, it's it's like, yeah, we just need to change and try something different. And and yeah, I'm a, yeah, the whole mental health thing. I, I've I don't know, you've watched the show Billions.
0: I haven't watched it no, but I've heard amazing things about it.
2: Yeah, great show. But you know, one of the main characters is you know high pressure, high intensity trading floor for a hedge fund, and you know, and the key employees is the staff psychologist. Or actually, I think she was a shrink, a psychiatrist. But you know, people just drop in. Yeah, you know, they had a tough day on the trading floor, and I thought, wow, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I mean, we've got we've got floors like that full of salespeople, or we did, but we've got you know virtual floors full of salespeople. That to your point earlier is this is just hard hard work. It's it's not gotten any easier. Um, I don't know. I think I think this is is part of enablement that we should be looking at and investing in.
0: I think it's a fantastic idea. Honestly, um, it never got me more curious about billions. I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna have yeah. to watch that after I finish Stranger Things. Yeah,
2: it's a very entertaining show. <laughs> um, well, I mean, along the same lines is. So I have this, you know, some people think crazy idea, which is, okay, we see the statistics from both, uh, you know, uh, the seller's perspective as well as, you know, research perspective. Not enough coaching goes on with frontline managers with their sellers or at other levels. So, fine. Why do managers have to be coaches? Why don't we hire coaches?
1: Dedicated coaches. That's their job.
2: And they don't have to screw with reporting and putting the you know, forecast together or any of that stuff. They're just there to coach.
0: We could. It's an interesting idea. I think that, that is actually something, too, that we, we even thought about uh, at LinkedIn, where we even considered the idea of um, having dedicated coaches just like that. It's just a matter of, um, you know, it's uh, it's a different kind of way – Doing things, you know, and that's that's really out there, right? It goes back to innovation, um, and our mm-hmm. definition for it, where we have to admit something's wrong, or we can do something truly, truly better. Uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting way of being there for ourselves jobs to do a pretty darn hard job, you know? Um, yeah. 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 I. I
2: <laughs> it's always been a hard job. I <laughs> said it hasn't gotten any easier. <laughs> so. Um, huh. well, Garrett,
0: it's been fun having you here. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's been fun hanging out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, I love this podcast. I learned a lot from it. I'm um, growing up and actually entering sales enablement um, about, what was it? Five years ago. And, um, you yeah, this, this, uh, the show helped me a lot to kind of give myself my own identity when I entered this world. So I appreciate you having me. It means a lot.
2: Well, I appreciate the thought you're putting into what you're doing, which is, yeah, not, I don't see it everywhere with enablement. it's, it's really, what's acquired. And I think a willingness to innovate and try new things is is appreciated because, I don't know why we think we have it figured out. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, the challenges are there. They're well documented. Um, You know, there's a reluctance, I think at upper levels to invest in some of these innovations and, but Hey, Companies can still grow and, at heart, not be doing a very good job. And, you know, to your point about centers of excellence, it's like, yeah, let's strive for that excellence across the board. And, uh, yeah. Well, Garrett, more people like you will make sure it happens. So thanks for joining me. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Uh, Yeah, there's there's a a network called LinkedIn. If you haven't heard about it, check it out. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, feel free to connect with me on there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, i would love to connect with you guys. we we appreciate the time, Andy. Uh, It's been a blast. All right, Garrett. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye.
1: Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank our guest, Garrett Raffles, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.